Hello and welcome. You are listening to the ICE Tech Talks podcast, part of the ICE's CPD program. I'm Mark Hansford, ICE's Director of Engineering Knowledge. And I'm Steph Fairburn, a Knowledge Manager here at the ICE. In 2019, following the UK government's commitment to reach net zero by 2050, every water company in England agreed a public interest commitment, setting five demanding goals, including a pledge to reach net zero on operational emissions by 2030. In 2020, this commitment was reaffirmed, and Water UK published the Net Zero 2030 route map, detailing how it would be achieved. One of three senior industry figures leading on this commitment is Heidi Mottram, CBE, Chief Executive Officer of the Northumbrian Water Group Limited and Northumbrian Water Limited since 2010. Northumbrian Water has set its own target of achieving net zero carbon by 2070. We're lucky to have Heidi joining us on the podcast today to discuss the water sector's net zero journey. But before we get into that, a bit more about Heidi. Heidi, prior to joining Northumbrian Water, had an excellent track record in the rail industry, where her career began with British Rail in the mid-1980s. She progressed through a variety of senior leadership roles in British Rail and following its privatisation in Great Northeastern Railway, Midland Mainline and Arriva Trains Northern. And she was also Managing Director of Northern Rail, the largest train operator in the UK. Heidi was awarded an OBE in the New Year Honours List 2010 for services to the rail industry and a CBE in the Birthday Honours List 2018 for services to the water industry and business community. She is currently a board member of Centrica and WaterAid and vice chair of the North East Local Enterprise Partnership and Newcastle University Council. Under her leadership, Northumbrian Water achieved Queen's Award for Enterprise in the category of sustainable development in 2014 and has been the only water company to be listed in the world's most ethical companies 10 times. Northumbrian Water has twice been named the UK's Utility Company of the Year under Heidi's leadership. The company was also named as Water Company of the Year in 2018-2020, as well as being awarded the British Quality Foundation's UK Excellent Awards in 2018. So, it is really great to have you joining us here today, Heidi, and particularly great because I know you really do care about this topic, don't you? Um, absolutely, absolutely, and thank you for that very kind introduction, but uh, but you missed out the most important bit, that I am a member and very proud fellow of the Institute of Civil Engineers as well. That is so, the most important thing, you're quite that's right. That's the most important thing. So uh, really, really pleased to be here talking with you uh, about such a such an important topic, and in, in many respects, actually, it was probably one of the reasons, although I wouldn't necessarily have described it in the way that we now describe it, for wanting to join the water industry in the first place. Because what I really was attracted to was the idea of an industry that was absolutely at the heart of protecting the environment, um, whether that was how we abstracted water, cleaned it, returned it to the environment, the way that we went about doing those things. And when I was doing my due diligence on Northumbrian Water, and we might get into this in a little bit more detail in a while, I could see that that this was a company that was already visionary um, in this space and was doing things um, to, to manage its carbon at that time. So that just seemed to me, I mean, in rail, that we were in the foothills of doing some brilliant stuff. The rail industry has gone on and done, done some, some fantastic stuff around decarbonisation. Um, but I could see see a company with with vision and a sector where I really thought I could make a difference on that. So um, that was why it was uh, super ex- exciting to make that transition back in 2010. Thanks, Heidi. So I'm going to ask a pretty big question. Um, 
what needs to be done to achieve this net zero commitment and what progress have we made so far and, and who's been involved in that progress? Who are some of the key players? Okay. So so I guess, you know, many companies uh, and many of your listeners will will recognize this, but the but you know, the answer for many people is a lot. Um, that needs to be done. Thankfully, for, for other people, perhaps not so much. And, you know, sometimes I think people can get a bit, oh, I don't know what to do. But, you know, one of one of the responsibilities that we we have for people who are active in this space is to help other people understand what they can do. And a lot of what's happened in this actual roadmap is has been about that, actually, has been about companies that have built up knowledge base and built up things to do, sharing it with other people who perhaps haven't been um, as as good at, or, or as knowledgeable um, about what to do as well. So, as a company, we you know we we could see that that something needed to be done. The water industry is a big user of energy. Um, you know, we predominantly in in the areas of pumping water around. Anybody who's tried to pick a bucket of water up will know it's heavy. Um, so, m- moving water around, and then obviously the treatment processes themselves, because. Water drinking water in this country is treated to a very very high level um, of quality. Anybody who drinks bottled water in this country is mad because tap water is much better. And the you know the treatment of water once everybody's finished with it um, and returned it to us for for treatment in order to to put it back into rivers also takes quite a lot of um, of water and actually chemicals um, to to get that right. So um, so we had a lot going on and a lot of processes. Um, so that's why a, a lot needed to be done. When, when Northumbrian Water um, started on our journey, our annual um, emissions were around about just over 300,000 tonnes. Um, so you can see it was a lot. Now, as we stand here today, we're down to 22,000. So that tells you a lot can be done, right? So, um, but that's the journey that we've been on. And we started to look at it, you know, right the way across all of our operations. So, um, one of the biggest things that we did, and and it felt quite bold at the time, but it's now, um, you know, uh, the water industry has kind of followed our path. Was um, in the in the treatment of wastewater, we were able to start capturing the, if you like, the the energy that's in that's in the wastewater. Uh, we always laugh about it and call it power from poo, and that's exactly what it is. Um, capturing all of that energy and those emissions. Um, into something that uh, that is useful and can and can be recycled. Um, it's the it's the perfect circular economy. So, I would say that Northumbrian Water's biggest boldest move, and it was and it was right at, at the beginning, was around going going basically 100% over to ad, what its proper its posh name is advanced anaerobic digestion, and uh, as I say we call it power from poo. We're still the only company that puts 100% of our sewage sludge through that process. Um, and there's a whole strategy that sits behind that, but that made a massive, massive difference. Um, we also um, committed um, and, and have had going for quite a while um, investments in hydro on a number of our different reservoirs. That's a journey that started with some very big hydro turbines and then got smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, and there are, you know, because technology has improved significantly, they've gone all over the place. Um, and then quite a lot of investment around. Green fleet, as that's been starting to come in, um, and solar, uh, more recently using our land bank. So, so bit by bit by bit, we've kind of you know we've chipped away um, at this. We did another pretty innovative thing um, about four years ago now, where we purchased directly um, to facilitate the building of an offshore wind farm. Um, so we take a direct power purchase agreement with them, and that was another big. 
a big chunk um, that, that came in. So there are so many different things. And obviously, you know, energy efficiency and things like that are a, are a part of it too. So bit by bit, we've taken, you know, more and more and more off this, but the, I've given you the kind of big things. And we we had all this written into a plan. And when the commitment for the industry and this conversation started um, for the industry to, to make a commitment for 2030, we found that there were a, a number of other companies that we already knew because we were kind of partnering with them and learning stuff. We're, we're up for it. Um, we'd already said we would go 2027, which felt a bit scary, but we'll get there. We can still see our way through to that. But lots of the water industry just didn't know. And the key to this was coming together in this collaboration and the production of a, of a roadmap. And we said, we sort of said, come on, guys, we can do this. This is how you do it. We'll work with you. And every company was different. And every company produced a, a roadmap that together we were able to, to demonstrate this 2030 pathway. And I think we're actually the only uh, sector, not only in this country, but in the world, uh, complete sector that's made that commitment. And we're super proud of that. And and I actually got this privilege enough to go along to COP26 to, to talk about that and, and to publicise that. So it's collaboration, multiple inputs, um, capturing new technologies, being bold, um, and and also just you know believing that you can do it um, because you know it's it, there are so many fronts on which you have to push you have to have the energy and tenacity for that. That's brilliant. And you've talked there, Heidi, about some of the key processes that that have changed or need to change, and, and advanced anaerobic digestion being, I guess, probably the key one. Um, mm-hmm. And you mentioned that see you are hundred percent at North Fermi, but others uh, are not. Um, I guess if it was easy, everyone would have done it. So um, how challenging is that? And and, and, I, and how much um, support um, and how much uh, how much knowledge, I guess, do, does our industry need in order to, to help make that 100% across the, across the country? So I, I think that, um, you know, that when this technology came to the UK and we were a first footer um, on that, we, we were not actually, you know, first footer in the world. The, the technology had, had got going reasonably well in Scandinavia um, and Germany. And we, so we went over there and learned from them initially, but it was typically on a very small scale. Um, technology was in, in use in the agricultural sector, predominantly actually not water. So, so it, you know, we had to learn. And then we made this commitment, but for all we're 100%, um, pretty much every water and sewerage company, to the best of my knowledge, obviously this is only for, for those companies because water-only companies don't, don't produce the, the wastewater, don't treat the wastewater. Pretty much everybody has gone in that direction. And we've been chairing um, a collaboration group right from the start, um, which shares everything that we're doing, um, all our best practice, because it's a... Uh, it's a technology that is, um, in, in some respects, it's quite simple um, in the way that you you know it's that you're flowing you're flowing your wastewater um, through a bio, through the same biological process that you normally do. You, you're just putting it all in, in in an anaerobic environment, which means that you capture the energy from it, um, and you're adding heat and and uh, some accelerator to make that happen on speed. Um, that's that's kind of what you're doing. So you need to be able to do that that with some skill, and we've shared that. But the industry has been fantastic, I think, on collaborating on that. Um, if you ever meet with any of these guys, Mark, you know they're forever exchanging ideas for capturing a bit of spare heat here and recycling it there, and 
how you know how do you do your your closed your, your shutdowns to manage them really quickly because every day that we do maintenance we potentially lose energy and things like that so so there's a fantastic collaboration goes on in the industry now to maximize that and what about collaboration Heidi I suppose with with other sectors what can we get out of collaborating more I suppose with energy with with transport a sector that you're really familiar with is are there more yes. opportunities to to collaborate there and, and to improve the way we do things oh I mean absolutely um you know we I, I'll be honest with you. I think we have really been quite focused inside the sector simply because the scale of the challenge was was so big. And sometimes, you know, when there's an elephant, you've got to decide which bit of it to eat first, because otherwise the meal is the meal is too big. But but now we, we're definitely into that space. Um, some of your uh, listeners might know, for example, about our innovation festival in Northumbrian Water, and this is a, an event that happens. Every year, it's an open innovation event where we invite um, people literally from around the world. It's become a global event now, and we work on problems together. And this net zero problem is one of the features in that festival, um, as you could expect. Um, And now we're bringing in energy companies, as you've said, um, transport companies, um, and and beginning to to share those ideas. Um, I was listening to, to just a couple of weeks ago some ideas about what nuclear um, are doing more in the kind of process. I mean, obviously they create energy. It's a, a different environment, but they were very good at process engineering and helping us with some of that stuff uh, just to optimize our processes. So I think that's starting to happen now. Um, first few years, it was much about much more about giving our sector the confidence and the belief that it could do it, helping companies who perhaps hadn't thought about it before, uh, with the with the constituent parts of their roadmap, so that that all added up to the industry's um, roadmap, and now we're motoring. That's where we're going next. Well, I'm, I'd be surprised if you hadn't brought that uh, festival up, Heidi. And I'm pleased you brought it up because it is, um, you know, market leading, isn't it? And it is now um, well known and renowned um, across the industry. And I suppose it's, it's it's addressing one of the challenges that often faces the industry in terms of, you know, a lot of people, a lot of good ideas struggle to get them heard by some of the, the bigger clients like yourselves. So, I mean, I, I mean, I guess that is helping to directly confront that challenge. But so so how would practically, you know, uh, uh, one of our members with a bright idea, a low carbon solution, how, how would they bring it to you, I guess, potentially through that forum or, or other forums? Um, I mean, we're 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 really easy um, to find, and perhaps, perhaps the easiest thing to do might be at the end of this podcast if we include the contact details for the innovation festival, because basically you only have to email us, um, and then you're in. Excellent. We uh, welcome everybody with with open arms, and you know we're already planning next year's festival, which takes place in in July. But you, you know we won't necessarily wait until July because we're an open innovation company. Um, you know, we'll we'll talk to anybody along the way in that quite way. Um, something that's actually happening in the water industry, and it's 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 just beginning now. But I think this is going to be a brilliant um, solution when when it really gets motoring. I was actually talking to its chief exec this afternoon, but we've created also another collaboration tool called Spring, um, and this was for exactly the reason that you raised, Mark. That you know, when there are um, companies, uh, many companies in the sector, which there are. Um, who who do I email? Who do I write to? And will I be heard? Um, and the idea behind Spring was that it would be a single portal um, for the water industry, and it would be a place where the supply chain could go and and say hello. Um, I've got an idea. 
is anybody interested in my idea? But also in the other direction, a company could go, do you know, I've got a problem with, um, does any, is anybody out there know anything about this and, uh, and can you help me? And I think, you know, these kinds of tools have sprung up in, in, other, in other places. We've certainly participated in challenge-based uh, portals like that on a number of occasions in Northumbrian Water with, with a lot of success. But this one will be uh, a dedicated one for the water industry and for anybody who's, who thinks that they've got a great idea to, to tout around. But equally, the festival is definitely a facilitator um, of that. We have some some mechanisms in the festival to uh, to try and showcase um, people's ideas um, and to network people together. So uh, so we would certainly want to play our part in that as well. I think um, staying on the topic of maybe of, of our members, then, what do you think the scope of influence is for an for an individual engineer working in this space? And and I suppose I'm getting at the the developing and changing roles of the engineer. How um, you know mechanical process civil is starting to overlap a little bit what's the what's the scope of influence and what knowledge do our members need to have to actually create change in this space okay so that's that's really interesting and you're right you know so if you take for example you know advanced anaerobic digestion well you've definitely got you know mechanical civil and electrical engineering going on inside that um so there's an opportunity for you to bring potentially your primary primary skill you know, in this case, as a, maybe as a civil engineer, but but add you know other elements to it. But I think that you know these days, um, you know, engineers are used to um, expanding in that way, aren't they? So I think you know that I would say that you know that 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 would definitely be the case. We would look for people who who could um, you know play a play a part, a multidisciplinary part. Um, I think another skill, but this is relevant to a lot of people in the workforce as well, that increasingly uh, the, the solutions that we look for are, are data-driven um, because we are now all capable of um, capturing huge amounts of data, um, analysing them and looking for patterns and, and something to do with them. So that whole data analytics piece um, and the insight and intelligence that can be got from that, I think, is a is almost a new engineering skill um, of the future. And we we use that. You know, we've got we've got a lot of data analysts in the business, and we didn't have those five years ago. And we also use other people's you know data analysts. We're still doing these mad things like hackathons, where you know we'll put data in the public domain on the weekend for. And invite people for beer and pizza and see what they can find. And we're still, you know, getting wins out of that even even now. So, so I think that, that those would be the things that I would say. That really does come up a lot, and you know, we, we emphasise it a lot. Do, do you feel that our our industry, our profession, is 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 grasping the 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 acute interest in in data and data analytics? Yes, I I, I mean, you know, you 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 can only go on on both you, the people in your own team. Um, and and what we're doing and how we're dealing with that and then the the supply chain around you, but it, but I would say Mark now you know that that's often the first port of call because if you can um, analyze data, you, you that's going to drive your solution, um, and then your you know your solution is going to be engineered off the back of that. We were having a really interesting conversation with some some guys in this space in America only the back end of last week. And 
um, you know, who, who've been doing some work in this space around sewer networks. And, um, you know, that's exactly what happened. The, the solution started with, with data and, and then ended up with a, with a, a physical delivery um, later on. And you've said the word bold quite a few times. Um, I, th- I think you've said brave. And, and obviously a lot of the work <laughs> Northumbrian Water is doing is, is really forward thinking and, and it's really brave. And I'm wondering for you as a leader, what has it taken to be that bold? And what would you be saying to some of our members who are leading maybe at your level or leading at project level about some of the soft skills they might need to, to be bold and, and do things a bit differently in this industry? Gosh, what a really good question. Um so I don't I don't know about you, but one thing I would say in my I've noticed in my working career and and when I talk with other people, I'm, they they say the same. But the rate of change at which we work um, compared to when I started work is exponential. Yeah. So um, we, we might have done a project every three or four years. Now we do a, it feels like we do a project every three or three or five minutes. Yeah. So so I think that that's why you have to be prepared to move, you know, with with more conviction, perhaps earlier. Now, I would always caveat that, particularly in the water sector, by saying, of course, we have to be sure-footed, yeah? And we have to be sure that what we're going to do um, is going to work. We can't take any risks with with public health or with environmental protection, um, and we totally get that. But the challenges that we face, things, you know, climate change, which is obviously an outcome of the fact that we should have gone to net zero earlier. These are pushing us towards needing to do something and needing to do something quickly. Um, and that's why I think being prepared to be bold. But what what I find in that space, um, to be honest, uh, Steph, is that that's when diversity really helps. Because if you have teams with you know, with different approaches. So for, for my colleagues who work with me, you know, there's no there's no shortage of energy, boldness, or uh, I know what we can do, or optimism, or any of this stuff in Heidi. But I've learned over the years that I do need people around me who have a high level of attention to detail um, as well. And I can remember once saying to a colleague, um, you know, who who was a, a real warrior and, and one of those kinds of people. I said that we work together really, really well. And you know, what I what I do is, you know, I say to you, you can come on, come on, you can jump over this hole. I, it'll be okay. But in return, you tell me that the hole was there in the first place, because I might not have seen it. So, so and and so I think you know, create diverse teams put together people who are prepared to be bold, but always have people there who will go, well, what about this? And we'll challenge this and let's have a look at that. And if they both mutually respect each other, that's when you get the best outcome. Well, that's a great um, message and and definitely gels with much of the research and some of the studies we've done here at ICE in, in, in recent times. I think, you know, diversity of team is, is coming through loud and clear as so important and across all sectors. So as a sort of parting shot, Heidi, is, is, is there kind of one sort of lasting message you'd like to leave with our, our members who are desperately keen to get involved in the net zero challenge in the water sector or, or beyond? What's the, what's, the, what's the one key takeaway? What's the one thing they should think about? Okay, well, well sad, sadly, possibly at one level, I would want to say if you haven't got a plan, you need one. You needed one a while ago, but it's okay. You can still do one, right? And so there are still people who have not 
got this under control and can't see their own pathway to net zero, everybody in whatever walk of life or whatever sector they're in, they absolutely must have this. If you haven't understood the compelling, urgent nature of that, then can I just tell you, please understand it as of listening today. Maybe the people listening today are committed, but you know, go go make sure that you have a plan. Um, if you've got a plan and you can get there quickly, great. If you are wondering about, you know, how to how to do it, then we as a company, we as a sector, would be delighted to collaborate with you. Reach out. We'll share our best practice. We'll come up with ideas. We'll pinch ideas from you if you've got good ones um, as well, because I think the whole of society needs to work together on this and to collaborate. Everybody can make a difference. We can all personally um, make a difference in this and it all comes together um, in in a sense. So so get a plan, make sure it's a plan that's going to move fast. If you don't know quite what to do, then then just reach out. There's help out there um, and together we can do this. Oh, brilliant. Um, well, look, thank you, Heidi. Thank you for joining us and sharing your expertise. It has been a real pleasure to hear your thoughts and to gain your insight today. Yes, thank you so much, Heidi. And a big thanks to you two, our listeners, for tuning in. You can learn more about this topic and discover more podcasts, videos and other resources on the ICE Knowledge Hub, which is accessible via ice.org.uk. New content will be launched over the course of the year, so do keep a lookout. Now all that's left for us to do is sign off. I've been your co-host, Steph Fairburn. And I've been your co-host, Mark Hansford. This was an ICE Tech Talks podcast. We hope you can join us again soon.